It's that time. The sports talker. Here's TJ Walker. Hello, everybody. Happy Wednesday. Happy hump day to you here. 1450, the sports buzz. It's cold outside. It's not not fun. It's one of the ha- happier days. I, I get to work inside that I don't have to venture even just to my car or to an office, the normal walk most people have to do uh, on their, your average day. I'm happy that I don't have to experience that uh, today. I'm not happy that you can't get outside and, and enjoy the weather, but it is what it is. Uh, we're going to have a full show without a doubt. Lots to talk about. It is Ask Yates Wednesday, so we'll, as always, save that for the last segment because I know that's what all you all want to listen to, but I'm going to make you suffer through uh, the rest of the show. Yates, how are you today? Doing well, TJ. How are you? Oh, I'm doing just fine. I wonder if there's ever going to be a day where you, you say you're not doing well. Uh, it's probably highly unlikely. Even Even if I wasn't doing well, I don't want anybody to know that. Well, we could talk about it, though. I think I could, I, oh, I could help you out if you weren't if you weren't doing well. That's we could true. we could figure out what's wrong and uh, maybe uh, you know solve it. But I'm I'm glad you're optimistic. What, even if, what's your even psychology if background? I don't want to I don't want to just bare my soul to some hack. If you, you have to at least taken like a psychology course in college or something. I took two psychology courses oh, well, there you in go. college. And while we're on the subject, uh, I, I liked psychology in college, and I thought about. I didn't know if I wanted to major in it, but I, you know, I, I pondered minor, possibly minoring in it and taking some classes. And I, I took two true psychology classes, and I took several that you know would fit within a psychology major or minor that kind of crossed into several other classes. Uh, and let me tell you this: I still like psychology. I like the, you know, I, I like the premise of it, and I, I find it interesting. Those were the two worst classes I took at UK were those two psychology classes. And I don't know if it was so much the content of what was being taught in the class versus the professors I had. And one was okay. I guess maybe it was just a hard class and hard to relay the information. The other one was the absolute worst professor I ever had at UK. He was this old man. He was grumpy. He didn't want to be teaching. He didn't want to be doing anything and just was impossible to follow in the class. Sure enough, he after every test, after every essay, whatever it was, he would just complain to the class about how badly and how poorly we did on tests and essays. And uh, he, he eventually, after one essay, said that we all wrote at a fifth grade level and was really ripping into us. And I ended up getting maybe a C or a D on the essay. And, and there was a huge curve in the class, so I ended up getting a B. But over it, really bad on this essay, supposedly everybody did. And I looked over it, and I was reading the writing, and uh, on the paper he had written that there was just a lot of grammatical mistakes and this and that. So I go and talk to him afterwards, and he asks what I what I'm majoring in. And I'm saying journalism, and he starts laughing, <laughs> saying that my writing was so bad on that paper. So then I asked him to point out where there were mistakes, and he basically just kind of dismissed me from his office. Uh, had nothing else to say, wouldn't point out where I was wrong. Uh, needless to say, it was just a miserable class and kind of turned me off of psychology, the idea of possibly minoring in it. But anyways, Yates, I, I feel qualified enough based on those two awful experiences where if you're having any problems, just let me know, okay? All right, I'll keep that in mind. And it was certainly not a uh, a great – it didn't build up my confidence as a journalist to have a professor talk about how poorly 
uh, one of my essays was written, although I, I disagreed with him uh, completely. Uh, but I, I guess when I'm writing stories, I'm not writing about, you know, uh, everything that has to do with psychology, all the different theses and all, you know, all that fun stuff. Uh, anyways, we're, we're going to uh, maybe pick the brain of John Calipari about what he could possibly be thinking after last night's lucky win. Is that safe to say? I would say so. Uh, and before we do that, I guess I have to eat some crow. I did not see that happening. Obviously, if you listen to yesterday's show, I completely dismissed the idea of Ole Miss winning. I mean, didn't even really talk about the game as much as I would have liked just because I didn't see a scenario where Ole Miss could possibly win. And building onto that, I could I didn't even see it possibly being a close game. And I thought I was looking like a genius. I did, I did say I thought Ole Miss would cover. Uh, so, you know, at least I wasn't completely wrong there. But the spread was 22 and a half. Uh, but I, I, I didn't see that. I didn't see a scenario where something like that could happen. Uh, and then again, the first, you know, first TV timeout, I was looking like a genius as UK got up early, was hidden shots, looked great. Looked like Carl Anthony Towns was going to have a huge night. It looked like Aaron Harrison was going to have a huge night and he did, but it didn't look like Ole Miss was going to be able to keep up for anything. And then you had Moody, Moody, uh, who, was just super fun to watch. And then, uh, you know, eventually Jarvis Summers came in, came to play and started hitting shots and Kentucky really didn't have any answers for those two. Uh, we're going to talk a lot about this game and a lot about their performances and a lot about the Harrisons too, because Kentucky obviously doesn't win that game without their contributions and, and what they were able to do, but just lucky, lucky, lucky to win. And I, again, I was at Rupp Arena last night, rewatched the game today uh, so we'll have we'll have plenty to talk about there. Pretty good night of college basketball altogether. Uh, you had an exciting game from Ohio State and Minnesota. Uh, D'Angelo Russell, of Ohio State, having one of the better halves of a player that maybe I can ever remember uh, in Ohio State's overtime win. And then uh, you had Auburn and Vanderbilt, another SEC play. You know, having playing a pretty good game and. Yeah, Texas A&M, UK's next opponent, getting uh, beat pretty badly to Alabama last night. Uh, so you wonder what that does for Texas A&M and UK's game heading into this weekend. Um, Arkansas able to get a big road win at Georgia. I felt that's good for the SEC. I think Georgia's better than people are giving them credit for. Uh, but Arkansas is the only other ranked SEC team, so I think it's good to, to keep a ranked team in the conference. Uh, so just kind of swinging around college basketball last night, a, a pretty eventful night to say the least. Orlando Antigua was unable to defeat UConn as UConn continues to try to build some momentum. But uh, like I said, UK and Ole Miss, the, the, the game that led Sports Center yesterday and was it was what everybody was talking about, what everybody was tuning into, and, and you know it's it's tough to say that you blame them in that game. So here's here's what I'm first going to talk about in this game. Kentucky played poorly. Uh, Kentucky played poorly. Ole Miss played good. You know I don't want to say that was Kentucky's worst possible game because I'm sure it wasn't. I don't want to say it was Ole Miss best game, although it had to be close. 
you know, it, it was it, when you're playing in Rupp Arena and you're an underdog, you really play with nothing to lose. Uh, you you know it, it can be the most important game of your life. When Moody was cramping up, Andy Kennedy looked at him on the bench and said, are you really going to sit out the most important game of your life? Uh, photographers sitting by Andy Kennedy heard him say that. It's a big game. It's a big game if you're a road underdog, if you are if you have nothing to lose. So we've seen stuff like this happen before at Rupp Arena against Kentucky. John Calipari says it's every team's Super Bowl. Uh, you know, maybe maybe they have several. It's different circumstances for different teams. Uh, but for Ole Miss, that, you know, that might have been true. You don't know really what they're going to play for this year. But Andy Kennedy wasn't wrong in saying after the game that if Ole Miss plays with that intensity and plays with that confidence, they're going to have a much better year, a much better SEC year than anybody would have imagined. And it's tough to disagree with that if you're going to get you know nearly 50 points from two of your better players. But the fact is, you know, do teams play with that intensity every night when they're not playing Kentucky? Uh, the you know, based on the sample size we have of Calipari at UK, for the most part, the answer to that is no. Uh, we'll keep an eye on Ole Miss. But, and there's plenty of uh, another Andy Kennedy note that I want to mention. And while I'm on the subject, I might as well do it now. But uh, in that game, I, I don't know if it, I, it, it was in overtime, and I, I want to say it was a tie game. Uh, Moody, I guess this was probably the third possession of overtime. Moody had the ball. A shot of three, Willie Cauley-Stein fouled him. I'm not 100% sure if it was actually a foul. Moody fell to the floor, and his cramps came back. Now, this was the second time that you could uh, you know, noticeably tell that he was in pain. Uh, he went to the bench in the second half, came back eventually. Uh, this time, he he just looked awful. And if you've had cramp, you know, if you've cramped in an athletic event before, you, you can imagine what he was feeling. So there he is laying on the floor cramping, uh, and – you know, it, it seemed a lot longer than it probably actually was, but there was, you know, at least a 20 to 30 second span where he was just sitting on the floor and, you know, UK huddled up. They were unhappy about the foul call. They were kind of, you know, pouting around the court and then they huddled up and were talking. Old Miss players just kind of surrounded Moody on the floor, was talking to him, was trying to get in, get him up. It was clear that he wasn't going to go up. The refs were talking to him, trying to get an answer about you know what to do. It almost seemed like there was just this weird moment of where's the trainers? Where you know why is nobody going out and helping him? Why is nobody getting him off the floor, walking him off the floor? And, and you know I didn't hear. Uh, I, I sit in the upper level press uh, front row. They're great seats, but you know you can't hear what's going on on the court. So you know I couldn't hear Andy Kennedy say anything to his trainers or assistant coaches. But you know he he wasn't really looking at Moody. He wasn't focused in on him. He wasn't rushing out there. And it looked like anybody on his bench was almost fearful to get up to go help him. So in my mind, what I'm thinking is that Andy Kennedy is telling his trainers and telling his staff, don't go out there to him because if he has to come out of the game and if the trainers go out there, he do, he does have to come out. If the refs have to stop play and play had already been stopped for a while, although the refs officially did not stop play, if the trainers have to go out there, Moody's got to come out of the game, and he can't shoot those free throws. And if he shoots those free throws, you know, I, I don't know if at that point Ole Miss had missed a free throw yet, but it was, you know, they were shooting a, or just a ridiculous percentage. Ended up shooting 19, hitting 19 of 22 free throws on the night. So if he shoots those free throws, he probably makes all three of them, and Ole Miss goes up three in overtime. Does Kentucky 
respond to that? Are they able to fight back? Uh, you know, who knows? And, and as you have it, Kentucky, it, Moody did eventually come out. It almost seemed that Andy Kennedy seemed so reluctant to send people out there. They eventually did. Uh, you could tell Moody was in serious pain. He was on the bench, uh, you know, chugging Gatorade, doing what he had to do. It, it didn't seem likely he was going to come back. He didn't. So UK gets to pick Rhett to go to the free throw line. He shoots three free throws, only makes one of three. Kentucky down one, and, and that's you know a much easier gap to overcome in overtime than a three-point three hole with about four minutes, less than four minutes to play. So that was a big, significant part of the game. John Calipari says UK loses if Moody is able to finish that game. I, I don't know if I necessarily disagree with that. Yeah, with the game he was having, five of seven from threes. And, and Yates, did you get to watch that entire Ole Miss-Kentucky game, or, or did you just catch bits and pieces? Uh, yeah, bits and pieces. I wasn't planning on watching until I saw that it was close late, so I turned it on maybe the last five minutes of regulation and, and then overtime. Okay, and you know, in your opinion, from what you saw, and if you didn't get to see the whole game, you missed out on some of it. But you know, how many of Moody's looks were clean, wide open looks, uh, especially from deep? Um, gosh, I don't. I mean, I yeah, without having seen the whole game, I, I don't know. Um, I don't feel like there was that many that were that were just wide open. There, there really wasn't, and most of them were contested, and contested about as well as, you know, it's not like they were blocking the shots, and if you're not blocking the shots, then you're at least leaving a little window for the opposing player to make a shot, so, you know, it's not necessarily perfect defense, and that's not what I'm trying to say, but it was generally pretty good defense on Moody. Uh, he had a pretty killer step back or a crossover. Whatever he did to get an inch of space, that's all he needed. And he had the Marshall Henderson green light uh, last night and was able to knock down the shots. Saw Moody walking after the game. This was after after the coaches has t- had talked and media members were waiting on UK media members. And for some reason, Moody was walking back from the Kentucky locker room. He might have just been walking to you know help his cramps and to stretch out a little bit. Uh, but and he had you know he had a. Ole Miss assistant with him, so I'm not sure really what he was doing, uh, but he walked across all the media. Well, the strange thing about that is he was very, very short. I mean, shorter than me, and I, I'm I'm six foot. Not that I think that the average person under six foot is necessarily short, but for a basketball player and a basketball player of Kentucky, he was a little guy. Uh, and we've talked about you know in matchups like that. Yes, that's not a great matchup for the Harrisons to have to guard, uh, and, and you saw that in the game. You thought that'd be a, a better way, uh, you know, a good matchup for for Ulysses, who can stay in front of guys. I thought Ulysses played pretty good defense when he was in the game. Just had a tough time because they were whoever was on Ulysses, they would muscle their way into the elbow, which is right by the free throw line, and get them the ball and run their offense through that. And, and you, there wasn't much Ulysses could do. They took Ulysses away from half court where he's best at applying pressure and stuck him kind of in the thick of things where it was easy for him to get lost and blocked by other bigger bodies. So you thought that might would have been that would have been a better matchup for Moody. It was not or a better matchup for Ulysses on Moody. It was not. Uh, but you know, Kentucky played okay defense on Summers and Moody. Now, you know, they allowed Summer for both those guys to shoot a combined 15 free throws and some of those were questionable 
to give Ole Miss credit. You got to give those two players credit. Uh, they brought their A game. They came to play. They weren't intimidated. They weren't scared. Uh, and they did everything they could to help Ole Miss possibly pull up that upset and fell just short. Uh, there's a lot more to dissect from this game. There's a lot more to talk about. I'm kind of talking about the Ole Miss side side of things. Uh, Kentucky, it, it wasn't pretty for a lot of guys. Not at all. Uh, but Kentucky does not win that game without the play of the Harrisons. We have some text into the show while we uh, while we talk. Clayby116 says, oh, come on, it was a cramp, not a serious head injury. Uh, it's a cramp. It's literally walk it off, stretch it off. Uh, you don't want to risk further serious injury by waiting to see if the cramp will go away in a few seconds to a minute. I have no problem with waiting to see if he could stay in. I'm sure Moody wanted to try to stay in himself. Talking about Andy Kennedy reluctantly going to get Moody off the court. Oh, I, I'm sure Moody wanted to wait and see. I, I'm sure Moody had no problem sitting there on the floor and waiting to see. I'm not saying he needed immediate attention. I'm sure he wanted to wait and see too, but it, you know, where's your gamesmanship? You have an injured player on the floor. One that, again, you know, cramps while they're really painful. You know, the only thing you can do to stop them is stretch them out. And even sometimes then, you know, you, you, you'll still feel that pain in a cramp. But, yeah, where's where's the gamesmanship? You have an injured player on the floor. Go get them. Don't sit there and see if he's going to magically heal. And, you know, I guess everybody knew it was cramps. It looked like cramps. What if, you know, what if it wasn't? What if it was something more serious and you have Andy Kennedy just sitting over there picking his nose, not wanting to get in there? Now, you know, again, it didn't look like it. It looked like it was cramps. But, I, I you know, I, I just kind of took a problem with that. It almost seemed like Moody possibly being able to overcome his injury was a bit more important than his health. And I really thought it might get to a point where even with his cramps, they were just going to put him on the free throw line. You know, I almost thought it was going to be a point where Andy Kennedy was telling his guys, get him up, make sure he's standing. Because, you know, you don't, you don't jump on free throws. Make sure he's standing. Just get him to the line. I don't care if he has to, you know, do whatever he has to do. Let him shoot those free throws instead of letting Kentucky pick somebody else on the floor to shoot the free throws. Uh, but it was obvious that it was a serious cramp and was going to be tough for him uh, to overcome that injury and get back on the floor in such a short amount of time. Uh, but yeah, Moody was great. He was fun to watch. And Brun DMC sent a, a link about Kentucky being number one, and you really AP poll, they're getting all the votes. In the coaches poll, they're getting all but one vote. A lot of people asked me last night, does Kentucky stay number one? Or, or is that performance against Ole Miss, is that enough to allow Duke to jump them? And, you know, it's interesting. It'll be interesting to see how people respond to that Kentucky Ole Miss game. But I've almost always felt this way. A close game and a win shouldn't take away from your other significant wins. And I still feel that Kentucky has better wins on the year than Duke. 
And I think I read a stat that Duke has only trailed five minutes all season, which is ridiculous. But you look at you look at Duke's win, <clears throat> this the Michigan State win on a neutral floor uh, is good, but not overly impressive. The Connecticut win, good, not overly impressive. At Wisconsin is a very very solid win. You can't take much away uh, from from that win. That was a good win for Kentucky. Maybe they're not looking as good, but you know you still beat UNC. You still beat Kansas. You still beat Texas, and you won at Louisville. So you know close games are going to come and go. If Kentucky had several close games, then maybe you take that in consideration. But you can't really punish a team for playing a close game. at least one close game, and still finding a way to win. You still have to take into account the wins they have. So I still think Kentucky should be number one. I think they will be number one. Duke plays at Wake Forest this weekend. Now they're going to they're going to have no problems with Wake Forest, I imagine. Uh, I, I, you know, I can't see a scenario where that happens. Actually, they play at Wake Forest tonight, and then they play at NC State this weekend. So uh, they should win both those games, I, I would think, relatively easily. You know, who knows? But even if they win those two games, as long as Kentucky beats Texas A&M, they should remain number one. And really, you know, who cares? If Duke is number one for a weekend, so be it. You know, in two weeks, they're going to go play at Louisville. That's a good chance for them to lose. And if they happen to beat Louisville, then maybe they deserve to be number one. We'll just keep an eye. You know, what Kentucky fans need to worry about is Kentucky going undefeated, continuing to find ways to win, and everything else will fall into place. If you have the number one next to your name in January, that's not nearly as meaningful as March. All you got to worry about is winning and things fall in place. We're going to keep talking about this UK Ole Miss game because there's plenty more to talk about, especially what, you know, what happened with Kentucky. Is this something that fans should be worried about going forward? Uh, and it is Ask Yates Wednesday, so get your questions in. 1450 The Sports Buzz. We'll be right back. Back to the Sports Talker with T.J. Walker. We're back here, 1450 Sports Buzz. Clevy116 on if Moody's shots were contested or not. He says he wasn't open, but the defender seemed to be more on his hip or contesting from the side, not fully in front of him, which I agree with. Uh, that's, it's not like they, he, Moody was shooting over. It was probably 5'9". At most, it would have been tough for him to shoot over guys, but he did a good job of getting guys off target, off balance, and ha- made them recover. And when they were trying to recover, it was too late. Uh, Moody had a quick release, really pretty shot. Uh, <laughs> crazy. Be, 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 be. Let me finish this, and I've got another. I Clay says he's getting tired of teams catching fire on us a few times could be explained as luck and a coincidence, but it seems to happen pretty consistently might have something to do with how Cal's team guards the three. 
three pointer, not the not the three position. Uh, Clavy one sixteen meant. Uh, yeah, you know it could be, but when you watch them, it's not like one thing jumps out at you and says, "Oh, they're guarding the perimeter the wrong way." They're not guarding the perimeter the right way. You know, I, 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 I'm still going to talk about how how good the Harrisons were last night, specifically Andrew Harris. I'm going to save that for a little later in this segment. But they're not good defenders, and you saw that last night. They have trouble staying on the ball. They're not good defenders, so they're not going to be good perimeter defenders. Uh, you know, I think Booker's a pretty solid defender, but. You know, it just wasn't his night. Euless can't be a great perimeter defender because he's so short. Guys actually can shoot over him. And you do have some length down low for Kentucky, but if you bring that length out, you're not going to be able to rebound defensively, and you're going to give up some second-chance points, and all those things happened last night. So maybe they aren't a great perimeter defensive team, Clavey 116. And, you know, I don't think that's a coaching style. I don't think that's a coaching method. I think it's just the Harrisons aren't great perimeter defenders, and they're on the floor more times than not. You know, if you had a guy like Poitras, he he was a little bit better at it. Uh, I think Poitras would have made a big difference last night, but every close game for UK, we can't say that. He's done. He's out for the year. Kentucky's got to move on and, and, and play without him, and they've been able to do that, and they've been able to win big games without him. So you need to be able to win against inferior opponents like Ole Miss. Uh, but the good news is, fact of the matter is, Kentucky found a way to win that game. That's all that matters. You could win by, you know, a, a hundred, like the UCLA game, or you can win by three in overtime against uh, against a bad team. And without a doubt, Ole Miss is better than UCLA. Come on. We all know that. More physical and better scorers. I think Ole Miss, you know, Ole Miss has players. Uh, uh, you look at some of the games they've lost, doesn't really make sense. But UK wins. Uh, at the end of the day, that's all that matters. But it, when Clay B116 was talking about how he's tired of people getting hot against Kentucky, it reminded me yesterday. So the media row at Rupp Arena, front row hanging over, uh, you know, it's the the – the lodge seating, I guess they'd call it, uh, hanging over the first level. And again, they are great seats. The row directly behind us, the the first row for fans, uh, Kentucky has probably 20 seats there that they give to people. Uh, if a high school team's in town, they may give it to the high school team. If, uh, you know, if, if John Calipari has family in, extended family, a lot of family, that's where they'll sit. Uh, they UK can give those tickets. John Calipari can give those tickets who they want because they're good seats. They're not taking up, you know, 20 rows of first seat right behind the bench because, you know, people pay thousands and thousands of dollars for those seats, although UK does have some seats that they give out down there too, but it's not a whole row of seats. So last night uh, – I didn't recognize – it was the high school team last night. I didn't recognize them. I, I, I checked to see if there could have been possibly any recruits on that team. Uh, there wasn't as far as I was uh, concerned, as far as I could tell. So watching the game, it was clear they were from out of town. Uh, that, you know, there was coaches and there was also you know, some 16, 17-year-olds. Uh, they were laughing and, and having a good time. It was clear that they've never been to a Kentucky game before. 
Kentucky gets out to that quick start, and they're enjoying it. Ole Miss storms back, and, man, they're really enjoying it. And then Moody starts to get hot, and they're really enjoying it. And they're cheering, and they're having fun. I mean, they're really enjoying themselves. And uh, I was going to get a drink, and I, I talked to one of them, and I said, where are you all from? And they said, Chicago, some school called Whedon Academy in Chicago. Never heard of it. Don't know any players from there. Uh, this or that. So as the game goes on and Ole Miss is making this very competitive, they can ch- continue to cheer when Ole Miss does something something good. And, and, and I think they re- genuinely were just cheering for a good game. I think they knew Kentucky was eventually going to pull away. So it, it was fun for them to see Ole Miss hang around and to make this a competitive game. Because if you've never been to Rupp Arena before, that's what you want to see. You want to see a good game. And that's what they were seeing. So I tweeted that uh, you, there's uh, kids from Wheaton Academy, which is strange. You know, why would you have this random team from Chicago sitting in these UK seats uh, and they're they're cheering for Ole Miss? And then I dr- immediately after that, I said, I think they're just cheering for a good game and they're enjoying what Moody's doing. I can't blame them. So all of a sudden I'm watching the game and then I, I notice that I'm not hearing as much cheering behind me anymore uh, for anybody. It's just kind of quiet. And during one of the TV timeouts, I hear somebody say, TJ Walker, arrivals. And I look back into the coach, and he's like, hey, uh, I saw your tweet. I just wanted you to know we're, we're not cheering for Ole Miss. I, I, I know some of our kids got a little excited after some of the threes, but we're not. Uh, and I was like, yeah, I, I, I figured. I, I tweeted out something else. I hope you saw that. He's like, I saw that too. I just, I just don't want to get in trouble. And I asked him, why would he get in trouble? And he said, I'm, I'm really good friends with John Calipari. We... Uh, I, you know, I, we played together in high school. We've known each other for a long time. He gave me these seats for my team. We're in town. I, I don't want him to see that tweet and to get really upset about it. And I told him that, one, he, he probably wouldn't see that tweet. And, two, I didn't think anybody from UK would or, or get mad at him. Uh, I, I ended up deleting the tweet to make him happy. Uh, but uh, just a funny moment of people enjoying Moody getting hot. And it kind of reminded me of the Elston Turner game when he dropped, I think, 41 or 42 points against Kentucky. You had some fans in the crowd, uh, you know, maybe some U.K. fans and maybe just some neutral fans that were watching the game. And, and the hotter that Elston Turner got and the hotter that Moody got last night, the more you got into it. And, and if you make that Ole Miss team, if, you change, if it's Kansas or if it's UNC and you have that type of game in Rupp Arena, it goes down as an instant classic, a game nobody's going to forget. But with it being Ole Miss, you know, it's not nearly as interesting as a game. Uh, anyways, Clay B116 wants us to know that he's uh, not bashing Cal, but it's been all his teams have been bad from the perimeter uh, and given up a lot of threes. And, and I guess the only point I'd say to that is, one, I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. There have been some games where you have – other teams, other players on other teams getting hot and hitting a lot of threes. Uh, that happens. You know, when you're playing 40 games a season, when you're playing 35 to 40 games a season, you're bound to play a team that has a, a guy that gets hot one night, and that's bound to happen, you know, a couple times throughout the year. Another thing is, I, I don't have the stats in front of me, but you have to imagine teams against Kentucky shoot more threes than they do any other point of the season. How else, how else are you going to score on Kentucky for the most part? And this is over Calipari's five, six years at UK. He's always had good big guys. He's always had skilled players in the post. And if you can't score over those guys, you've got to rely on shooting threes. So sometimes it just clicks where 
a guy gets hot and hits a lot, and, and that was Moody last night. But one storyline, and this is what I wrote about from the game, and, and you can find that at catsillustrated.com if, if you so please uh, as I plug my work. But one thing I wrote about was Andrew and Aaron Harrison having huge games. You know, the Twins combined for 38 points, uh, but and Aaron Harrison set a career high of threes made in a game. He was 5-9. and nine. He was two points shy of tying his career high at UK. He had 26 points. Uh, he, he scored 28 uh, last year against Robert Morris in that game early on in his freshman season. Uh, a great game from him, but really the focal point of my story was Andrew Harrison. Uh, no, did he have his best shooting night? 2-7 isn't great. Uh, he didn't hit a field goal that wasn't a three-pointer. Uh, he only had one rebound. As a big guard, you think you need to get get on the glass a little bit more. But he did have five assists. He only had one turnover. He had six, eight free throws, and those threes were huge. And he played a big part of that steal with you know 30 seconds left while Ole Miss was up one, had the ball, and was looking to close out that game. Uh, Trey Lyles was credited with the steal, got the steal, but it was uh, in large part Andrew Harrison's pressure that forced that. And, you know, again, maybe not the best game of Andrew Harrison's career, and he will have better games. But to be able to do that after a nine- or ten-day break, after debatably his worst game against Louisville, when he was criticized by not only some U.K. fans, uh, because there were U.K. fans that weren't happy about him, but by national media. And I'm not sure if I can remember another player at least at Kentucky, that ha- that has caught as much flack as he had. And I don't get why. It's not like he talks a lot of trash. It's not like he taunts fans or uh, of opposing teams. It's not like he's been in trouble uh, with off-the-court issues. He, you know, he is maybe a bit of a different guy. He can be pouty at times. But with the exception of that, I don't get why he receives as much scrutiny as he does. And Jeff Goodman, I know a lot of UK fans don't like him. I'm, you know, I, I, I'm whatever on him. I've met him and he's been very nice to me. And, uh, you know, it, and I enjoy some of his work. I do think he's off, you know, off base several times. And uh, sometimes I do think he's just looking for, you know, clicks isn't the right word, but I think he enjoys attention. But the way he acted like Andrew Harrison was just, a pile of dog food and Tyler Eulis was the next big thing after the Louisville game was unbelievable. And, and you see some national writers do this, but he just goes on and on about it. And then to back up his opinion, he talks to 39 NBA scouts or however many NBA scouts he's talked to. And look, they agree with me too. So I must be right because they agree with me. And he just, he was continuing to beat a bad horse because Andrew Harrison had a bad game. So, I wasn't so impressed with Andrew Harrison's stat line last night, although I think it's pretty good. And, and, you know, he hit a big, big threes to keep UK in that game and hit big free throws and made great passes and was part of the pressure that led to the steal that allowed UK to force overtime. Uh, He he didn't make big plays, but not the most impressive stat line. But to be able to do it as a 19-year-old kid, coming off a terrible game where you've had to think about it for, you know, nine straight days. That's what's impressive to me. 
a, a very underrated part storyline from last night that he was able to do that. And I think UK fans need to continue to stay on board with him because I, I think he's good. He's the be- he's you know he's better than Tyler Ulis right now. But like I said after the Louisville game, and like I said on Twitter last night, it doesn't have to be Tyler Ulis versus Andrew Harrison. They're gonna have their matchups. They're gonna have their games. And last night wasn't Tyler Ulysses night, and, and Andrew Harrison was able to do some good. Aaron Harrison was great. He was in a rhythm. He was hot. He was feeling it. You know, it seemed like the storyline was if UK's hitting their threes, there's no way they're going to lose. Well, they hit 11 last night. So we need to alter that little saying a little bit. If UK's hitting their threes and it's not disrupting their offensive rhythm, then they're not going to lose. But it became clear that UK was, you know, I don't know if they were becoming dependent on threes, but it was clear that that's what they were settling for. And the big guys, the big guys didn't have a great game. Willie Cauley-Stein had an okay game. Carl Anthony Towns had a good two minutes. Takari Johnson, not not one of his better games. Uh, they were just off. They were off, and I, and I feel that they maybe were a bit surprised that Ole Miss was as pushy as they were. So if UK can keep you know, their offense stable and still run it outside in, and then that leads to inside out, then if UK's hitting threes, they're fine. So basically what I'm saying, this is what it sounds like I'm saying, that if UK's offense is perfect, then nobody's going to beat them. Well, obviously. But more so what I'm trying to say is they still need to be able to score inside somewhat to have that notion that they're hitting threes and they're unbeatable. Because last night proved otherwise. Last night proved that, yeah, you can hit threes, but if you're not getting anything inside, you know, what's it matter? So they still need to be somewhat efficient inside if you're going to have three-pointers that are that are going to close up the game. Uh, to talk about this game, an hour just isn't enough. Just a, a strange game for Kentucky. I think they'll be okay. I, I, I think that maybe you need to step back, UK fans. Everybody needs to step back a little bit from the undefeated talk. Because it just shows that another team, you know, while Kentucky did what they needed to do, found ways to win that game when it kind of seemed that Ole Miss had the momentum. Kentucky doesn't necessarily control their own destiny. Other teams can bring it. Other teams can do that. The notion that the only team that can beat Kentucky is Kentucky isn't necessarily true because Kentucky didn't play great last night, but they could have played a lot worse. You know, what if they're not hitting threes? So the, no, uh, the notion that other teams can't do enough to beat Kentucky is wrong. They can. I still think you know Kentucky should be favored in every game, but you're going to have some dogfights. The positive thing, though, is Kentucky was able to find a way to win last night's dogfight. That's what UK fans need to hang their hat on. And know that, hey, if they're going to be in close games... At least this was an example of how to win that close game. We're going to head to the last commercial break. We come back. It's Ask Yates Wednesday. It seems like it's been a while. So get your questions in. Step to the rhythm of a show enough winner. Winner, I've been here before. Yo, I ain't no beginner. But I've been new, tried and true. Survival of the finish. Yo, it brought me through. My crew talk. We're ready to strike. Train for the mission to believe the hype. 
Listening to the Sports Talker with TJ Walker on 1450 The Sports Buzz. We're back here, 1450 The Sports Buzz. We've got a few Ask Yates Wednesday questions uh, coming in. If you want yours in, you can tweet at T Walker Rivals. Uh, if you've listened to the show for the last while, I guess maybe the last four to five months, you know that Wednesdays are uh, the only chance we get to look at a, a closer look of the life of Yates, the man behind the mic, um, really a mysterious character. Before we get to that, we got a tweet in the show from Westworld at Westworld 47, who says thinking the long layoff impacted cats uh, plus possible fatigue from camp Cal. And that seemed to be a hot opinion on, on house of blue and the message boards and even Twitter during the game yesterday is that, uh, this long layoff didn't necessarily help UK. And I'm not 100% convinced that playing games would have helped Kentucky and, and made them sharper. Maybe it would have. And if you want to make that case, I, I, you know, I, I won't say you're wrong. I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure if playing games would have been more beneficial than a plethora of practice time. I don't know. Uh, but I did ask Aaron Harrison after the game last night, what do you prefer? Do you pr- prefer that long time to practice and work on things and not have to worry about games, or would you rather play games? And he said, you know, without a doubt, I'd rather play games. And he went on to say that, you know, the practice was beneficial and it, it helps, you know, build team chemistry and this and that. Uh, but he said, as a player, we all want to play games. We want to play games all the time. Uh, so it, it seems Westworld that, Aaron Harrison at least agrees with you and, and would have rather played games. Now, now if now you have Abe, who is really passionate about that issue, as you heard in the background. Uh, anyways, <laughs> Abe, is that it? You got anything else? No? He thinks they should have played games as well. Uh, but I don't think if Kentucky had played games, that would have stopped Moody from being hot. I don't think that would have stopped Jarvis Summers from playing well. I don't think that necessarily would have meant Kentucky had pl- would play better perimeter defense. Maybe, but I don't necessarily think that. I-, I think Ole Miss played well last night and Kentucky wasn't ready for it. And whether that meant UK should have not taken such a long break or not, I don't, I don't know about that. Maybe in the future it's something you keep an eye on. Uh, I think he really disagrees. Uh, but you know, you got to give credit to Ole Miss at, at some point. It, it's it's they played well. Anyways, let's get to Ask H Wednesday. I think that's what I think that's what Abe wants. The dog. I think he just wants to get right down to it and start asking Yates some questions. Yates, you ready? I am ready. All right, let, let's start with Rob Blackhawks because this is sports related. Uh, he wants to know who you think wins the Oregon versus Ohio State game and why. Uh, I think I think probably Oregon ends up winning. Uh, the main reason, I think, is that their their defense, while it's probably not one of the best defenses around, I think it's caught up to the offense, which everybody knows about, and I think that turns out to be the, the difference in the game. I think they'll, they'll be able to defend Ohio State a little better than Ohio State can defend Oregon. I, I think that Oregon should win. 
you know, even if I think it's going to take the perfect game from Ohio State to win. And, and I thought that maybe it'd take the perfect game from Ohio State to beat Alabama as well. And, and Ohio State didn't necessarily play perfect, but neither did Alabama. And, and Ohio State was still able to win. But I, I think against Oregon, they're going to have to, Ohio State's going to have to be really clean, not turn the ball over uh, and score on the high, high majority of their possessions because you know Oregon's going to take advantage. They're going to play fast and it's going to be at times tough for Ohio State to keep up. Uh, let's move right along. Now Now we're going to get a ball with the Ask Yates Wednesday question. Clayby116 wants to know how you met your wife. It seems like maybe we've asked that before, but I, I don't remember the answer, so it's fair game. Um, I don't think we've asked that before, and she she's not a huge fan of the story. I mean, there's nothing crazy about it, but we, we met out at a bar one night. Um, I was out. It was after college. She was actually still in college. I was done. I was out with uh, one of my fraternity brothers, and she was out with uh, one of her sorority sisters, and we happened to bump into each other as we were leaving, and I offered to give them a ride home, and we enjoyed each other's company. So I got her number from... uh, one of my friends who was dating the the girl that she was actually out with at the time and it was one of her roommates and I called her up and we hung out and the rest is history. Oh, okay. A few follow-up questions here. Uh, one, what, what sorority was your wife in and where did she go to college? She went to L. She's a Kappa Delta. Okay. Uh, a KD. Uh, it's my girlfriend went to L as well uh, and she was a DZ for all the Greek life enthusiast out there uh two what bar were you all at uh we were at o'shea's 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 i guess probably st matt or uh, bargetown road yeah i don't know if the one downtown would have been the, back there the, in the, the 70s. only one there was at the time yeah okay uh cool um and you were able to pull her number the first night well no i, I didn't get her number from her i actually uh, one of my other fraternity brothers was dating one of her roommates, and so I, I got her number from him and called her a couple of days later. Oh, wow. Well, isn't that interesting? Oh, there you had it. Mr. and Mrs. Yates, the story behind them. Uh, and then the last Ask Yates Wednesday question, uh, I might throw one in there, uh, comes from Brun DMC. He said, there's been a lot of earthquakes in Dallas lately. What's the worst natural disaster you've ever experienced? Um, gosh, that's a tough one. Uh, I don't, I've never been in, involved in any earthquake that I felt. Uh, I guess maybe snow, like snow or ice. Uh, um, anybody who's from here knows the, uh, the, the big snow, the snow we got back in, I think, 94. Um, so I, I don't know, maybe that was the worst. A few years, uh, well, maybe not a few years ago, I guess it was probably five or six years ago when we had the big ice storm. Uh, that was pretty miserable because at the time I was working at a, a place that we delivered uh, medical equipment and our big thing was oxygen and people every, all, all over were without power. And if, if that happens, we have to constantly take like oxygen tanks to them. And so that was, huh. that was a pretty miserable few days of trying to take care of all the people that we had. 
Oh, that wouldn't have been fun. Now, uh, in 2009 and maybe 2009, 2010, we had the windstorm, uh, which kept me out of my senior high school for a week, and the ice storm kept me out of my senior high school for a week. Senior year was just great because we never, we hardly ever had class. Seems like we got more days off than than ever. Uh, my worst, worst nat, nat, oh my gosh, natural disaster was being in the tornado that hit the Georgia Dome during the SEC tournament in 2007, I believe. Uh, that was, I mean, there was a, you didn't really know that there was a storm going on outside. And I didn't, at least. Uh, and then all of a sudden, the, the place starts shaking. The video boards start to shake. Foam is falling from the ceilings. And then it's very clear that, oh, something happened. Then you found out that a tornado went over the place. Uh, and then there's kind of this realization that, is this building going to hold up? Uh, luckily, it did. And thankfully, this was a, uh, a fantastic Ask Yates Wednesday. We learned a little bit more about Yates. Yates, what, what natural disaster scares you the most? Real short, real quick answer. Oh, um, I don't know. I mean, like an avalanche or something where I'm buried alive, I guess. Oh, I mean, but when are you going to get an avalanche in southern Indiana or in well, Louisville? no, Yates? but so if I mean, I guess what is capable around here, I suppose a tornado. I mean, that's the most likely natural disaster to occur in this area. I think a tornado would probably be it for me because one, they are very likely. We get a few a year. And two, you know, it's just kind of luck of the draw where a tornado goes. Anyways, we're out of time. Uh, fun, fun show today. A lot of basketball talk. We'll, uh, we'll plenty more. We'll, we'll talk about tomorrow that I didn't get to today, and then we'll start previewing NFL games and college football playoffs. And I guess we've got Monday to do that too. Uh, so join us tomorrow, fourteen fifty, the Sports Buzz. Thanks for listening. Kentucky home, my old Kentucky home. Oh, they say welcome to the 502. Take the Georgia boy, show him how Kentucky do. Uncle Preach Classics, paint Kentucky blue. They say don't forget to seven over hitting two. Song call it blue, grass, song call it purple. I'ma call it home.